Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mooney on Politics podcast. Uh, this is being recorded on Wednesday the 22nd of September. And of course, as usual, I think it's based on my most recent broadsheet article, which appeared last Monday. Now that looked at the controversy over Michael D. Higgins' decision not to attend next month's planned church service in Armagh. And it's one of those controversies that should never have arisen, and with any luck it'll be over soon, because the... I think the president is right, but not only that, I think there's many more reasons that have been discussed in public why the president is right, and that's why I tried to set out in the article. Now, the church leader's invitation says that the ceremony in Armagh was to mark the centenary of the partition of Ireland and the formation of Northern Ireland. Now, it does, it's a row that, Frank, frankly, has done no one, no one any, any credit. Not the church leaders, who normally have been fairly adroit in the past, or the predecessors have been quite adroit, in handling sensitive issues. But it doesn't do any credit for the people who've been saying that the President has missed an opportunity to extend the hand of friendship to unionism. As last Sunday's Ireland Thinks Mail on Sunday poll reported, a staggering four out of five of us, I think 81-82%, believe that President Higgins is doing the right thing and for the right reason. And he is. But he has more than just popular sentiment on his side. This was not a decision made impetuously or in haste. As the President explained himself last week, he had been mulling over the invitation from the Church Leaders Group Ireland for several months. Indeed, he shared his concerns with event organisers, telling them that the event title was not, and this is an important phrase, politically neutral, and presented him with difficulties. From these remarks, it's evident that the President did attempt to create the circumstances that would allow him fully participate as President, but for whatever reasons, this couldn't be achieved and couldn't be done. And that's sad for all sides, because the Northern Ireland 100 centenary events are, as I believe the Primate of All-Ireland, Dr Martin, had said, an opportunity for nationalism to show that it can reach out to unionism. But it has to be recognised that this is a two-way street. And as we've seen from remarks, particularly from the DUP MLAs over the last while and MPs, there's not not much evidence of any kind of return journey for any nationalists who are reaching out to unionism just at this moment, or that particular branch of unionism, and that's an important point I'll come to later. So the lame t- delay to lay the blame for this whole debacle at the steps of the Irish, as some have attempted to do, including, I'm sad to say, the former Taoiseach John Bruton and a number of independent senators who have accused the President of scoring an own goal, is frankly ridiculous and silly. While the President's exp- explanation should satisfy all reasonable and fair-minded folks, I want to offer three more reasons why I think the President is absolutely right. Now, the first reason stems from a very important speech which was made by the former Taoiseach Brian Cowan back in May 2010. Addressing a conference in UCD on what was entitled A Decade of Commemorations, Commemorating Our Shared History, Mr Cowan set out the approach the Irish government would take to these commemorations at the time, saying that being, and I quote, well prepared and carefully considered should enable all of us on this island to complete the journey we have started towards lasting peace and reconciliation. Now he went on in a, a very detailed and, 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 and a highly analytical speech to set out the principles that the Irish government would apply to commemorating significant centenaries. They included the full acknowledgement of the totality of the island's history and the legitimacy of all traditions on the island that draw their identity and collective memory from our shared history. Principle two was the recognition of the totality of the history of the period and of all of the diversity that this encompasses. And point three, the principle three, was mutual respect is central to all commemorative events and that historical accuracy must be paramount. 
Now, the speech itself is is definitely worth reading as full. It's quite a long speech. I think it was about 20, 25 minutes in duration. Sadly, for some reason, it's gone missing off the Taoiseach's website. A lot of the archive has went missing there when they turned it over, when they moved a lot of the, the media side from the Department of the Taoiseach website to the Merrion Street website. So there's very little before, I think, 20... I was going to say 2011, but actually there's very little before, I think, 2013, 20, 2014, 2015. Um, but I, I found a copy of the speech and I put it up on my website. And there's a link um, in the uh, on my website to it and... Um, I also tweeted out the link and put it up on, on LinkedIn as well. So, if these criteria have been applied to, I think, have been applied by the church leaders to their planned October service, then it's quite possible that a way could have been found to holding the event. You see, because having good intentions alone doesn't qualify as careful consideration, nor does meaning well do away with the requirements to fully acknowledge the legitimacy of all traditions on this island. The principles set out in set out by Brian Cowan, continue to inform the work of the Irish government's expert advisory group and commemorations. In its 2018 report, it said, the aim of commemoration should be, and I emphasise here the next bit, to broaden sympathies without having to abandon loyalties. They went on to say, the goal of inclusiveness is best achieved not by trying for an enforced common interest or, or universal participation, but by encouraging multiple and plural commemorations which remember the past while ensuring as far as possible that the commemoration does not reignite old tensions. I think these are important points as well, which again, which extend out from Brian Cowan's speech, which is this idea of enforced common interest or universal participation. It is absolutely right that unionists mark the foundation and the centenary of their events, and we should have no objection to any of those. But then to turn round to nationalists and republicans and say, and you must participate in these events along the terms that we set out, is I think where the, the line the line slightly can be crossed. And I'm not accusing the church leaders of having crossed that line. I think I've, what I would say about them is they haven't really seen where the line is and they've basically closed their eyes to it. Now, though the, the government, though the government's export committee has always been careful in applying these principles, as we saw early last year, it was not always consulted or heeded by the last Fine Gael government. Thus, we had Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan's very ill-considered and poorly advised DMP RIC event. That unnecessary debacle should have been a salutary lesson for everyone, including those outside of government, especially some people in Armagh. Now, this brings me to part, point two, which follows on from that, which is the parity of esteem point. This is a key foundation principle for the Good Friday Agreement. Put simply, parity of esteem means that both traditions treat the aspirations of the other with respect and acknowledge them as legitimate. Now, the beauty of this principle is it works both ways and requires neither tradition to deny its own beliefs or political objectives. In practice, this means that nationalists and republicans have a responsibility, if not indeed a duty, to listen and to engage with the arguments for Northern Ireland remaining in the Union in both a serious and respectful fashion. The same applies to unionism. It has a responsibility to listen and to engage with nationalists on the desire for a united Ireland. Neither side is expected to abandon sincerely held viewpoints, political ambitions, or to stop being true to themselves. Now, as a Republican, I know that partition and the establishment of Northern Ireland are political realities that just simply cannot be washed away or wished away. I also recognise that unionism sees both partition and the formation of Northern Ireland as positive political achievements. But that does not stop me from also knowing that from my perspective that partition was a tragedy and has had disaster consequences for both parts of this island. 
I understand the pride that many in unionism take in the foundation of Northern Ireland. I have no issue with them commemorating its attainment. I have no issue with them using state funds through lottery money or various cultural and educational support grants. I mean, why should they? It is a shared part of this shared island's often sad history. But if those who are commemorating the establishment of Northern Ireland, which itself is the result of partition, wish the President of Ireland to participate in that commemoration, then there has to be an explicit acknowledgement that the President represents those who believe that the border led to a century of violence and sectarian polarisation. So that's what Paris with Steam means. Now the third point is a little bit more political and it's a little bit more current, because the third point is that not all unions are the same. President Hagen's critics on this side of the border have accused him of snubbing unionists as if unionism was one big united monolithic family. But we can see with the growth of the Alliance Party, even the Green Party, plus the early signs that the UUP under the new leader Doug Beattie may be, making some, may be gaining some ground. I think it's gone up from 12 to 16% in the most recent poll. And I think when you combine it, the Alliance Party and the Ulster Unionist Party has increased maybe about 7 or 8 points since the last Assembly election. It looks like there is a more moderate and secular unionist niche coming out, coming to the fore. And that tells us that unionist voters are less homogenous today than they were in the past. Now, I'm not saying that unionists no longer believe in the union. By definition, unionists do belong in the union. They do. And they believe so strongly. But outside of the constitutional issue, today's unionism is less conservative, less hardline, less inward-looking than it was. In the 2016 Brexit vote, 34% of those who self-described as unionists voted to remain in the EU. Indeed, 64% of those who identify as Northern Irish chose to remain in the EU, opted to remain in the EU. Even a more recent poll asking if Northern Ireland Protocol was good for Northern Ireland found um, across Northern Ireland uh, found that the votes split evenly, with 43% saying yes and 44% no saying no. So that, within, that means within unionism there's a large number of people who actually think that the, the Northern Ireland Protocol is good for Northern Ireland. So the Northern Mines remains deeply divided, but unionism is not the monolith it once was. So where Molino and Paisley, the then leaders of the UUP and the DUP respectively, could bring a quarter of a million unionists out on the streets to oppose the Anglo-Irish Agreement back in 1985, recent protests against the protocol, including one outside Queen's University last week when the Mario, Massive, uh, Mario Sekovic was addressing uh, a conference, attract crowds of maybe just a few hundred. This does not stop some desperate unionist politicians, particularly some from the DUP who are struggling to cope with their falling poll numbers, from contriving to seem offended by President Hagen's decision. As the SDLP leader Colm Eastwood pointed out, their comments do not advance the cause of reconciliation, quote, particularly when it comes from quarters that have downplayed and degraded the importance of all island cooperation for over two decades. So hopefully some important lessons will be learned from this situation and we can, we can start to move on. Look, we have some very, very contentious centenary still ahead, including the signing of the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which is from December 21, the Dáil Treaty debates from January 22, the start of the Civil War, which was uh, June stroke July 22, the foundation of the Royal Ulster Constabulary, the RUC, June 22 as well, the killing of Michael Collins, August 22, and the end of the Civil War in May 23, and that's just to name some of them. We have known the best way to approach these events since Brian Cowan set it out back in 2010. 
but we have also seen how being nonchalant or presuming the response of others can turn the respectful remembrance of our shared history into a very painful reliving of it. So that's the Mooney Politics podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday, next Wednesday. So until then, take good care of yourselves and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.